When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, football fans? Welcome back to another episode of the NFL Whip Around. I am one of the hosts, Jeff Hartman. Joining me as always, Coach KT Smith. Coach, what's up? Hey, Jeff. Uh, nothing. Doing great. Good weekend. Exciting yeah. football games. This was a better weekend competitively than the previous one, so lots to talk yeah. about. Absolutely. Only one only one blowout in Texans-Ravens. Everything else was really highly contested. Came down to the last possession for most of them. Uh, I thought it was a great divisional round weekend. Did you have the same takeaway? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the the Texans-Ravens game ended up a blowout, but it was interesting for a half at least. Yeah. And then yeah. the other three games were just knocked them out of the park. Those were great football games. Phenomenal games. Let's let's start right off the bat with the biggest takeaway from the divisional round weekend. This could be anything, Coach. What's your biggest takeaway? So my biggest takeaway is uh, – I mean, you know, the, the final four teams are all really good. But, you, but when you get to this point in the season, you're trying to look for, like, well, what team might have an edge over the others and for what reason? And for me, Baltimore's defense right now, I think, is the best single unit left remaining in the playoffs. They, they're they just so good. They're, they're so fast. And, I mean, there are other fast defenses in the NFL. I mean, Buffalo's a fast defense. But – Baltimore combines that speed with great play at the linebacker position and a couple of studs up front. And so when you like you look for a weakness in in, in every team's uh, defense and, and it's really hard to find one in Baltimore. You think about this. They were absolutely dominant on defense against Houston, yet they didn't create a sack or a turnover. And it's the team that led the league in sacks. And so they hold the Texans to three points on offense. I mean, Houston scored their only touchdown on a punt return. They hold them to three points on offense. They completely frustrate C.J. Stroud. They harass the heck out of him, and yet they don't create a sack or a turnover. Uh, that unit's really good, man, and they're going to get Mike McDonald a head coaching job. So going forward, I think that they'll be the really the, the uh, most interesting one to look at in the Final Four. My biggest takeaway from the weekend is, damn it, the Chiefs did it again. I mean, <laughs> when you think about how this was supposed to be the year, that the Chiefs do not get to the championship game. They're not as good on offense. They don't have the weapons that they had when Tyreek Hill was there. Uh, heck, and even with Juju Smith-Schuster even gone. Uh, Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey. The defense is better, but this was a subpar Chiefs team in comparison. And so what does Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes do? It's a first road game for Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, not counting a neutral site game like the Super Bowl. What do they do? They go to Buffalo and they beat the upstart Bills and send them home again and punch their ticket to the champ. What is this, the sixth straight year? Six in a row, yeah. That is incredible. Like, that's insane. That Andy Reid, I believe I read the other this, this morning, he's he's been to 11 championship games compared, like, combined with Philadelphia and Kansas City. I mean, 
this guy's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> Think about that. That is crazy. That's my biggest takeaway is right when I thought, and I actually predicted the Chiefs to win, but I right when you think they can be had, they do something like that, and you realize, well, that's a, that's a championship pedigree. That's my biggest takeaway. Coach, what do you think? Yeah, they are Dracula-esque. You got to drive that stake all the way in. <laughs> and it's funny, Andy Reid, man, they they ran him out of Philly. He he was a guy yeah. who they just, in Philly, the, the thing was he can't win the big one. He, he'll get you there, but he, he can't finish the job. And maybe that was true. Obviously, you get a, a transcendent quarterback like Mahomes, and it changes your career. We know about that with Belichick and Brady. But the thing about Andy Reid, I think that is, is, is interesting, is that he – for a guy who's been in the league for a long time, continues to find ways to to reinvent himself and, and tweak his scheme and and win however he needs to win the football game. I mean, this is not the most high-flying Chiefs offense no. that they've had. They're winning with defense. And, and really, I thought the difference at the end of that game was their run game. I mean, Pacheco pounding the ball, being more physical than, than Buffalo was. So, so the fact that Kansas City doesn't have to just put it on Mahomes right now makes them pretty scary. It absolutely does. And there's already talk that Andy Reid, this might be his last ride. He might call it a career afterwards, seeing how they finish up. We'll see. We'll talk about that. Let's talk about that game, though. Second topic, it was a brutal loss for the Bills. I don't care what anyone wants to say. You're hosting the game. You've won six games in a row, including the playoff win over Pittsburgh in the wildcard round. Buffalo's averaged 11.6 wins per year since 2019 and has no, no Super Bowl appearances to show for it. They have one of the league's oldest defenses. Josh Allen's salary is going to limit what they can do in free agency because their salary cap, their salary cap situation is not good. Do you think that the Bills' Super Bowl window is closing? What are your thoughts? I, it's hard to say it's closing as long as Josh Allen's in his prime, but – Yes, they're old on defense. They got five starters over the age of 30. Uh, yeah. And they they have the third least amount of cap space remaining uh, of all the teams in the league. So they're going to have to make some tough choices. They're going to have to cut some guys. If they want to improve uh, on, on the defensive side of the ball, they, they need to get bigger and more physical. They're one of the smallest defenses in the NFL. And I think you saw Kansas City exploit that. So Buffalo's got some tough choices to make. Again, man, Josh Allen in his prime means you're gonna you're gonna have a shot. And they got enough skill players on offense to be dangerous. But I don't know if it was necessarily a fluke when when we saw them six and six at midseason. They've got some issues that Allen's prone to some cold spells. If he's not playing his best football, Buffalo is vulnerable. So that was a that was a big miss for them with that home playoff game. Uh, and and then I mean, if, if the question is, is their Super Bowl window closing? I, I won't say closing, but it's sure like getting close. What was your what was your take on that loss? Let's talk specifically about the game, the last game that we saw on Sunday. I mean, I watched that game, and I don't know why. Maybe this is just me and not knowing what Kansas City was doing to counteract the Buffalo rushing attack, but it sure as heck seemed like Everything that they were doing good, well with James Cook and even Josh Allen with his legs, they got away from it in the second half, and they started getting pass happy. And Stefan Diggs doesn't really show up in a big game, in a big moment, when that deep ball right in his arms doesn't bring it in. What was your takeaway on the Bills' performance against the Chiefs? 
So the Chiefs did a great job limiting explosive plays. I mean, Buffalo had no plays over 20-plus yards. I think Kansas City had nine of them. That's wow. remarkable. Uh, Buffalo ran. At one point, they had run twice as many plays as the Chiefs had run. I thought, I thought Buffalo missed some opportunities when they had to settle for a couple field goals early. Uh, when they, when they obviously, like you just said, when they didn't capitalize on a few of the big play opportunities that they had, you just, you just can't beat a good team missing on, uh, in those situations. And, uh, and, and Kansas city to their credit, obviously they, they did a nice job with their speed on defense, being able to play too high. They played a lot of too high safety and they were still able to get that, that extra run, fitter into the box by dropping the safety down late. They were quick to the ball in that sense. Buffalo, though, they didn't, they didn't run a lot of quick hitting stuff on offense. Everything was slow developing. They ran a ton of, of wide zone, which takes a long time to develop. The quarterback runs take a long time to develop. And Kansas City safeties were really getting down aggressively against that stuff. And then conversely, Buffalo was not really able to get over the top on those safeties. So I just thought Kansas City was able to like, have their cake and eat it too, so to speak, out of from their scheme. Yeah, Buffalo Bills dominated time of possession in this game. And they, they just, because the Kansas City Chiefs were the ones, like you said, nine explosive plays of 20 yards or more. They were moving the ball quickly. And I have to think that we kind of saw this as well. And if you want to compare the, the Ben Roethlisberger years in Pittsburgh to the Josh Allen years in Buffalo, the, the contrast is that Ben Roethlisberger won two Super Bowls early in his career and then wasn't able to get back there. Josh Allen could flip that script and still get there. But you saw the Steelers extremely hamstrung with the salary cap and not be able to keep some players that they desperately needed to and or wanted to. And it becomes a really, really difficult dance for the general manager to try and manipulate the cap, to restructure contracts, to make tough decisions. I'm not saying it's impossible, but when you look at the AFC East and the AFC landscape, it's not going to be easy. Not with Joe Burrow coming back next year, uh, presumably healthy. Patrick Mahomes isn't going away. It's going to be tough. And so uh, we'll see. I don't think their window is closing, but it is starting to close. We'll put it that way. Like it, It's just starting. So they, they better capitalize. That was a gut punch for them. Let's go to the next topic. Let's look ahead to the championship games. San Francisco barely beats the Green Bay Packers on Saturday. They looked rusty, out of sync. Debo Samuel gets banged up, leaves the game with a shoulder injury. The Packers ran the ball surprisingly well against the defense. Are you seeing some vulnerability in the 49ers here, Coach? Uh, I think the vulnerability we saw, uh, the fact that Green Bay wasn't able to defeat them will serve San Francisco well. I think – that if you were going to knock San Francisco out of the NFC playoffs, that was the time to do it. I mean, Green Bay dominated that game for long stretches. It, it feels as though when 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 a when a better team comes off of that bye, like we saw this happen to the Ravens uh, a couple of years ago, and they're rusty, and then and then they they start they figure it out, they get better from that. That's what it feels like, you know, like like Baltimore. You know, they got knocked out by Tennessee back in. 2021 after they had gone, I think 13 and three, whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, you know, you get the feeling had Baltimore won that game that, that they, they may have wound up in the Super Bowl. I just get the feeling that San Francisco escaped. And when you let a really good team escape, they make people pay for it. So 
their weather conditions obviously hurt them. Brock Purdy, you know, was inaccurate and 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 indecisive and Samuel getting hurt. And they were just out of sync. And Green Bay was like kind of on a heater. They were really playing good football and and they felt really good about themselves there. So so that was a that was a big miss, obviously, for for the Packers and probably for the Lions as well, because I think that the Lions will now go to San Francisco and get the best of the 49ers. Yeah, I agree with the whole, the 49ers will improve and they'll, they'll be better. I think missing Debo Samuel will be a big deal if he can't play. That's We're not saying that he isn't, but if he's not able to play, I think that is a big deal. He's a big part of their offense. Uh, I, I guess when I think about Green Bay, I view them and the Texans the same way. They are very young on the offensive side of the ball when you look at Jordan Love. No, he's not a rookie, but he's only, this is his first year being the full-time starter. Boy, the receivers that they have, they have some great young receivers. Your boy, uh, Bo, Bo Melton, uh, Bo caught a Melton, touchdown. Yeah. yeah, he caught a touchdown in the game. Uh, South Jersey was definitely representing in the divisional round. For and sure. it was one of those, I was watching the Packers, like, you know, if I'm a Packers fan, yeah, this sucks. But at the same time, I'm also saying the future is really bright. And we should be looking to 2024 saying we can make some noise. But let's talk about the team you brought up at the very end of your uh, your your discussion was the Lions. Let's preview this championship game a little bit. What do you think about the Niners and the Lions? Lions coming off their win over Tampa Bay, closer than a lot of people thought. Baker Mayfield with the ball in his hand, a chance. They need a score and a two-point conversion, but a chance to tie the game. The Lions come up with a very timely interception, seals the win. What did you think about the Lions? I thought that was typical Lions. I thought that that was kind of how they've played all year. They haven't been blowing teams out. Uh, they've, they've played a lot of close football games. Dan Campbell you know, does his normal thing where he just says, we're, we're going to lay it all on the line. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I thought, I thought Detroit, uh, as the game wore on, figured out, uh, that Todd Bowles defense. And I, and I thought that that was a credit to, you know, their offensive coordinator, uh, I'm just, I just, I just blanked on it. What's Detroit's offensive coordinator's name? Ben Johnson. Yeah. Ben Johnson. Uh, yeah. Right. Who's, who's, a, who's a, a, a high, well-considered coaching candidate for a lot of head coaching jobs. He got better as the game went on. Tampa Bay was aggressive with their blitz schemes and, and Detroit uh, started to figure that out. I mean, in the second half, they had three straight touchdown drives. And, and so, I mean, they're a team, I, I think that with the combination of uh, Dan Campbell's aggressive attitude, Ben Johnson being a guy who's got some some really uh, positive coaching chops, and then and I think Aaron Glenn's a little bit underrated as their defensive coordinator. You know they'll go into San Francisco like laying it all on the line, man. I mean Dan Campbell will just have that us against the world, nothing to lose. That's always a fun perspective from which to coach. So I, I'm not saying that they don't have a shot going into San Francisco. They certainly do with uh, with all their young pieces. But uh, I thought it was a great a great win for them in uh, against Tampa Bay because of the way they won the game. They won the game like an experienced playoff team. The, the, the upstart comes in, you, you take their best shot, they hang around, but then you figure out how to beat them and you pull away at the end. This is going to be an opportunity for Jared Goff to prove a lot of people like myself wrong, make us eat crow and say, look, like I can actually win the big game, even if it's on the road, not in the dome of Ford Field. I'm anxious to see what he can do. I would love nothing more than for the Lions to go in and shock the world. Dan Campbell, say what you want about him as an X's and O's guy. He is aggressive. We've talked about on this show a lot, and he's a master motivator. He's going to have that team ready to go, and I agree. This is a kitchen sink game. Throw everything in the kitchen sink at him. Uh, 
maybe not the fake punt like Buffalo tried against <laughs> Kansas City. <laughs> I Stay would love to know if that was an automatic, meaning like sometimes you have automatics whereby if you get a certain look from the defense, or uh, you automatically run a thing. Yeah. And Kansas City only had 10 guys on the field for that. So I wonder if that was an automatic, because if it was, they should, they should have taken it off. You know? <laughs> well, and they got bailed out. John McDermott got bailed out big time yeah. with that fumble into the end zone, yeah. getting the ball back. And then also by uh, Dawson Kincaid or Dalton Kincaid, getting that football somehow away from the defender when Josh Allen fumbles the ball. I don't want to spend too much time on that game. Let's the NFC championship game should be good. That's the nightcap. Let's talk about the first game. That's the AFC championship game. Heavyweight bout between Baltimore and Kansas city. What's a better storyline? Lamar Jackson, maybe getting to his first Super Bowl, or the Chiefs returning like an old school dynasty with, oh yeah, Taylor Swift will probably be at the game. <laughs> Which, by the way, that wasn't even the most entertaining thing in the stands. It was Jason Kelsey. 100%. Jason Kelsey was the most entertaining thing in the stands, sitting oh. there with his shirt off watching the game. <laughs> oh, 100%. So I know the NFL wants the Taylor Swift show to continue. They, yeah. the, all the Swifties that are now watching football and all that stuff. And we've talked about that before, but for me, the bet, the bet, the more interesting storyline is the Ravens getting to the Super Bowl because I just think a Baltimore San Francisco rematch of that Super Bowl eight, nine years ago, whatever it was, I think stylistically, it's like what they say about, or they used to say when boxing was a thing that styles would make fights. Uh, yeah. And that, and that, in that, in the matchup of Baltimore and San Francisco, I think you have two really interesting styles: the, the San Francisco offense against the Baltimore defense. I know we saw that game in early December, and Baltimore dominated. I would love to see a rematch. The counterpunch coming from uh, San Francisco. How would they adjust? So, and then, and then just Lamar Jackson getting to the big game. I think would be an interesting storyline for the league. And obviously, I'm saying this as a Steeler fan. Clearly, not rooting for the Ravens. I'm just trying to distance myself and say, what's an, what's the more interesting matchup? I mean, an old school dynasty, it's cool kind of in a way, the way the Steelers in the 70s and the Niners in the 80s and the Cowboys in the 90s and all that. We haven't had that in this age of parody. And in one way, to see Andy Reid maybe win the Super Bowl and ride off into the sunset would be kind of cool. But uh, I'm kind of over the whole Chiefs thing. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> but sometimes I answer these questions by doing the opposite. So let me run this by you. What do you think would be the least attractive Super Bowl? Probably Baltimore, Detroit. Baltimore, Detroit. That I was thinking too, because you don't have huge, there's not huge fan bases for either team. Like Baltimore is still a very local team. You don't see, I mean, yeah, you might see some Lamar Jackson jerseys everywhere, but unless you live in and around the Maryland area, it's not a, it's not a national brand and neither is Detroit. Yeah. They have a very rabid fan base, but it's not a national brand. So that's the least attractive Super Bowl matchup. I look at the most attractive, and I, I got to think the NFL's thinking San Francisco, Kansas City is the yeah. most attractive. From a viewership standpoint, from a fan base standpoint, you would have the Taylor Swift impact on the Kansas City Chiefs. You'd have San Francisco, which has a very large fan base due to their success in the 80s and 90s. That would be the marquee matchup. What do I want to see? Man, I don't want to see the Chiefs in it. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked openly about my Patrick Mahomes fatigue. Uh, Travis Kelsey is getting right there with him. I'm sick of seeing his face. I don't <laughs> care about Taylor Swift. I really don't. People that want to bash her, it's not her fault. The cameras are going to her every five seconds. It's not her fault. She's dating a football player. Deal with it. But still, I think that's, I, I'm rooting for 
the Baltimore San Francisco matchup as a football fan, not as a Steeler fan, as a Steeler fan, it makes me want to puke, but ultimately as a football fan, that's what I want. We'll see what happens. I don't know. This is going to be a really fun championship weekend, but let's go to our last topic. Give me one under the radar player who could be the X factor for their team in the championship game. Go ahead, coach. Who you got? Yeah. So I'm trying to think, how does Detroit beat San Francisco? San Francisco is, is clearly better on paper. And for me, they have to create explosive plays. I think the Lions have to be able to score quickly at times uh, or, or, or get chunk plays out of their offense. And uh, the guy who can do that is Jameer Gibbs. I, I mean, he's, he's electric with the ball in his hands. Sometimes I feel he's a little bit underutilized in that offense. Uh, I know that they, that they like Montgomery as their between-the-tackles runner. Uh, but, boy, Gibbs just feels like a guy that, like, whenever he touches the ball, you know, you, you feel as though he could go the distance. He, he'd be a guy, if I were a defensive coordinator, I would just hold my breath on. And because that kind of speed makes you be perfect on defense. You have to run fit everything perfectly. Man, you get out of position by a step or two, and he creases it, and, and he's gone. And San Francisco, and, and maybe it was the rust, but they they got run on, man. I mean, the, the Packers – Ran the ball really well on him, rushed for 130 some yards, and I thought I thought underutilized their run game a little bit. So I don't know. I think I think if San if, if Detroit's going to beat San Francisco, uh, I would look for Gibbs maybe to make some big plays. I'm going to cheat, and you said an X factor singular. I'm going to go plural. There's three players that I think are going to decide who wins the AFC Championship game: Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, and Kyle Hamilton. You could have all three of them on the field at the same time, or it could be a combination of two out of the three. Are they going to be able to slow down the running game of Kansas City and Pacheco like we talked about? Who's going to handle Travis Kelsey? And are they going to be able to keep Patrick Mahomes from doing what he did against Buffalo with that dual threat ability with his legs and with his arm? This Ravens defense, this is strength on strength in my opinion. You've got the, the, the yes, the the Chiefs defense is their strength going against the Ravens, which I think their offense is still probably their strength in terms of their how they can attack you. And then you got the Chiefs against the Ravens. It's going to be fun to watch. I think those three guys, though, and especially Rokon Smith, because he is the heart and soul of that defense. And as a guy that came over, he wasn't drafted by them. That was via trade with the Chicago Bears. I got to think that this is going to be a game where some one of those guys has to take over. They've got to take over and make a make a play. I'm not sure if they can do that, though. We'll see. What do you think about that, Coach? I thought Roquan Smith at times looked like the best player on the field against Houston. Like uh, He looked yeah. dominant. Yeah. I mean, he, the way he was getting to the ball and uh, the physicality with which he played. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. They got to defend Travis Kelsey a lot better than Buffalo did because they blew a couple coverages and turned yeah. him loose a few times. So, And then I think when Travis Kelsey gets going, that's like the heart and soul of, of Kansas City's offense, and so it opens up everything else. So you're right. If you can if you can limit his production, uh, then obviously I think you take away a huge part of what they want to do because they're not that great at wide receiver. No, they're not. I want to ask you a question, not on the list of topics, but it's still as a coach, I want to get your thoughts. This has happened a lot in the NFL. It happened with the Steelers earlier this season. I can't remember which game, but it was rainy conditions. It might have been Arizona, which was delayed multiple times due to torrential downpours. We saw in the San Francisco game, there was rain there against Green Bay a ton of players slipping on the turf. And as a high school coach, 
kids probably don't have multiple pairs of cleats. But what are you telling your players if you're going into a setting like that? And maybe you don't play on grass anymore. Maybe most of your games are on turf. I know your home field is turf. What exactly are you telling your players about the conditions? Hey, like, here's how we got to handle it. Because most of those blown plays against the Packers, Oh, Melton's touchdown comes to mind. A San Francisco 49er just fell down. They slipped and fell, and that equates to a wide-open offensive player. What do you tell your team in those conditions? Yeah, plan all seven. Plan all seven. That's a, that's a dated reference because, you know, back in the day you had screw-in cleats. Yeah. And there were usually seven of them. And so, you know, we would always say when it's slippery, plan all seven, which basically means, like, you're not going to be able to uh, – to push off just off your toes. A lot of defensive backs in particular, they like in their backpedal uh, when, they, when they're when they changing direction to just push off their toes. But you have to sacrifice a little bit of a, a maybe a, a, a tiny little bit of your quickness in order to get that heel in the ground to make sure all your cleats are firm so that you can push off. And the, the guy who slipped on the Melton touchdown absolutely just tried to push off on his toes. And he, and he you know, he probably had two, three cleats in the ground and he, and he lost his footing. So, I mean, that would be my message, man. You got to plan all seven. Do you play on grass anymore? Do you have any schools that you we play? Do. We have... play a bunch of opponents that on grass. Okay. And and we'll go, like, when if we know it's going to be bad, we'll go. We, I, we're we on a barrier island. It, it's The grass fields in this town are always soggy. Yeah. And so, like, we'll go find the soggiest field that we can practice on just, just to get ready for that because it is a factor. What is it, What is your preference for the game? And do you, do you prefer grass over turf? Do you care? No, I love turf. I love yeah. really it's, it's such a cleaner game. Oh, uh, I mean, God. romantically, you would be a purist. what the hell? Well, romantically, sure. Yeah, I love the I love the you know the dirt and the and the grass stains and the smell and all of that. But if you're just talking about playing the game, right, where where you don't have to worry as much about how the uh, conditions are affecting the way you call the game. I mean, a, a bad track really affects the way you call the game. And uh, and it's nicer to be a, simply be able to say we're going to do what you know the things that w- that we believe in doing because the field's good. The elements should sorry, be a part. Sorry, disappointed. No, I'm kind of disappointed. Yeah, I mean, because for me, I mean, I never coached football. I coached lacrosse. I hate lacrosse on turf. It's too fast. There's never those situations. And your son plays lacrosse. I know you know this, but if you play on turf, those loose balls are going to go out of bounds. It changes yeah. the way the game's played. Whereas on grass, they stay in bounds. You have a a nice ground ball battle on the sideline, two guys, three guys, four guys, hell, sometimes six, seven, battling it out. It changes the dynamic of a game. And I know they're two different sports altogether, but I, I do love, and as an athlete, Coach, you, you probably, you shoot, you played on the old school AstroTurf, didn't you? Bed turf. That oh. was rough. That was Dude, rough. That was- that was like that was like laying like a like a layer of felt over a parking <laughs> lot, you know. Like that old school astroturf was horrendous. Hurt I like mean, hell. This, oh, it hurt like hell. You would you you'd come up with one of those games. You'd have no skin from your wrist to your elbow as yeah. a defensive player from all the times you're like kind of diving on the ground, et cetera. And uh, you'd everything every joint in your body just ached terribly the next day. I, I don't know how honestly. Well, I, I can understand why so many of these older guys can't walk at 50 yeah. years old. Yeah. And you think about three river stadium, like they, they used that stadium for decades, you know, and, and they weren't alone. I mean, the shoot the, uh, oh, what was the, the Philly stadium? What was that? What was the, the name vet. of that? Oh, the God, vet. The vet was horrendous. I remember the one Chicago <laughs> bears receiver blew up both his knees on one play, both knees <laughs> at the vet. That's almost impossible. <laughs> All right. Let's a good sidebar. Let's finish up with our player profile. Jason Kelsey 
You yeah, want to go with Jason on. Kelsey. Go ahead. So, so first of all, Jason Kelsey, you mentioned him earlier, man. He was yeah. he was fabulous uh, in Buffalo yesterday. I don't know if you saw any of the stuff on Twitter. He was in the parking lot with guys oh, yeah. before the game doing shots out of bowling balls. I mean, <laughs> uh, I, you know, obviously there, there was a great cutaway from from uh, CBS where they, they cut away to Taylor Swift. One of the 7,000 times they did. And uh, I think it was right after Travis Kelsey had scored. And she was getting hugged by somebody in the box, but right behind her <laughs> was Jason Kelsey shirtless <laughs> chugging a beer. Um, but he, but Jason Kelsey has announced that he's going to retire. And I, I wanted to just mention him briefly because what a career, man. I mean, that, he had a phenomenal career for the Eagles. He was the heart and soul of that team for a long time. Uh, a, just a guy who, who just, I think, you know, when you think about an offensive line, what do you want from an offensive line? Well, first and foremost, you want the center to be a true anchor. He's the communicator. He's the leader. He's the guy that every play starts with him touching the ball. He needs to be your most steady, most solid guy. I can't think of a better model for that than Jason Kelsey. Obviously, you know we're close to Philadelphia. We ran a camp one year uh, on our field. A bunch of the Eagles came down. Vinny Curry was there. Jason Kelsey was there. Jason Kelsey was phenomenal with our players. We're, you know, he the, the camp ended and he was out there 45 minutes after it had ended working one on one with guys. Uh, I mean, just just as it was a great dude, just a guy that like was happy to, to be around people and a people person. So end of a great career. And, and I'm looking forward to what he does next, because I'm sure it'll be entertaining. It will be entertaining. And, and I, I know that he said on his podcast with his brother that he hasn't made the decision final yet. Everyone's speculating, but we'll see. Maybe he won't. Maybe he comes back for one more year. But still, uh, I had, when they won the Super Bowl, and Philadelphia won the Super Bowl, if you remember in the the party, the the parade, he went as like <laughs> yeah. a jester. He went Just like, like a, a mummer. Yeah, like a full-on jester. And that's him. And I love people that don't take themselves too serious. The fact that he sat in an owner's box probably, shirtless, chugging beer. <laughs> he shared the image of his, of his phone. I think he put it on Twitter, and it said, Buffalo is a wild place. I had a great time. Bill's Mafia is the best. And it was a text from his wife that said, our daughter just said, dad's boobs are on TV. It's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. I mean, yeah, that, it, that outfit you wore to the parade. So Philadelphia, every New Year's Day has what's called the Mummers Parade. Okay. And the Mummers, I don't know the history of the Mummers. I've, they've been around forever. But like yeah. everybody, and it's like, it's like welders and plumbers and, you know, like, pipe fitters, union guys, they all just dress up in these ridiculous costumes. They parade down Broad Street in Philadelphia. And so that's how he dressed for the parade. <laughs> all right, real quick, Coach, before we call it a show, what's your prediction for championship weekend? So who's in the Super Bowl? What do you got? I think it's Baltimore-San Francisco. Baltimore, I agree. I agree. I think it's Baltimore-San Francisco. I think Detroit's going to give them a pretty good game. I actually think both games are going to be phenomenal. Me too. Me and too. I'm here for it, and we'll be here for it next week. But before we call it a show, what do you have coming up on the call sheet this week? Uh, well, Bills fans, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you want, you're in on this or not in on this, but uh, so one of the things we're going to focus on on the call sheet is uh, the history of tortured fan bases and oh god, what really makes what makes a fan base special, and and what are some of the perils that come with being a, a, a true you know football fan. Yeah, I got to be honest. I'm watching the I'm watching the game. Bass is lining up the kick, and we see it's going right. And I'm I, I, I thought to myself as I'm watching it in my bed on my phone, 
Is Jim Nance going to say it? Is he going to say it? And he does. Wide right. Wide yep. right. The two most haunted words for Buffalo Bills fans ever. Yep. Going back to Ned. Who was the kicker that missed those? I, I just I just drew a blank. I can't remember. But the Scott Norwood. There was Scott Norwood. Wide right. Wide right. Oh, they've got to be sick to their stomach. Like Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to rub it in, but I think it's a fascinating sort of somewhat psychological, you know, look at the the perils of being a fan. Well, yeah, because you think about all the organizations that are could say that they're tormented and tortured and some would even say that there's a curse on them. And you, you think know, about I mean, the time you devote. How many hours, Jeff, have you devoted in your life to the Pittsburgh Steelers? Probably more than I would happily admit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I'm older than you, so it's more than you. And then, and imagine if in all the hours we had devoted to the Steelers, they'd never won the Super Bowl, but they'd yeah. been like tantalizingly close, like the Buffalo. I mean, imagine if you imagine if you were somebody my age and you like really could remember all four Buffalo lost four Super Bowls in a row, and they lost them in increasingly awful fashion. The first yeah. one was the was like like a total kick in the you know what. When they missed the field goal, and everyone after that, they got blown out worse and worse and worse. It just became more and more awful for them. And now they've kind of revised themselves, and they still can't get there. I've, I'll I'll say this: my father, he'll he'll complain about Pittsburgh sports, and I'm like, Dad, you know what? I I don't want to hear it. The dude, my father, has been alive to see the Steelers play in eight Super Bowls, and they've won six. He yeah. has seen the, the hockey team to six Stanley Cup finals and win five. And he's watched the Pirates win three World Series in his lifetime. I'm like, Dad, do you realize there's fans of teams, of cities that have never even seen them get to a championship game, let alone win one? Please spare me the swan song because we are a spoiled bunch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All it right. is It is more rare than, than people think yeah, to win absolutely. a championship for your favorite team. Yeah, and and yet some fan bases like the Steelers take it for granted. And they think that it should just happen every year, and if it's not, it's a colossal failure. So, all right, Coach. Hey, where can they find you on social media? Uh, at KT Smith FFSN, and then over on our over on our Fans First YouTube, I'm continuing the, with the one play breakdowns of all the playoff games. So check those out if you can. Absolutely. And you can follow me on Twitter at J Hartman, H E R T M A N underscore P I T all of our work, including coach Kevin Smith on the steel curtain network, talking all things, Pittsburgh Steelers. Check us out there in the meantime, coach, next time we talk, we'll have a super bowl to discuss. Take it easy. Have a good one. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.